This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined by my co-host, Brian Solomon. How's it going, Brian? Going pretty well, Al. Hope everything's well with you, too. Yes, it's been kind of a, a while since it's been just you and me and just talking some current events. So uh, looking forward to it. Certainly a lot to talk about coming off of uh, Elimination Chamber. Uh, the, the WrestleMania picture in some ways is getting clearer, in some ways is getting a little more hazy. Uh, we'll talk about uh, all the fallout from Elimination Chamber and uh, other current events, maybe some uh, AEW, some big news dropping today uh, from AEW with the signing of Paul White. Uh, we'll chat about all of that. Uh, and later on, uh, you can hear a conversation I had last week with uh, a veteran from Ring of Honor. i uh, been there going on 16 years, I think, uh, Rhett Titus, and uh, kind of uh, increasing his profile, his role in uh, Ring of Honor, now part of the foundation uh, faction with some of the biggest names over there in ROH. Uh, Jay Lethal, Jonathan Jonathan Gresham, and some others. Uh, We talk about uh, kind of the state of ROH now, uh, now back operating after a hiatus in the pandemic, how uh, things are going for them. Uh, Always interesting talking about kind of the state of ROH because it's so much in flux. And we talk about how, you know, a lot of what really was Ring of Honor's calling card for so long has now been sort of uh, usurped by some other promotions and he talks a bit about that and it's pretty candid about uh what ring of honor can do and has done to stay relevant um in the the modern wrestling era so uh, stay tuned for that fun conversation uh also right now i want to tell you about the latest issue of pro wrestling illustrated uh i think by the time you're hearing this uh it will be available digitally uh, and that is the May issue and uh, something really fun that we haven't done in a long, long time. Another kind of project that uh, Kevin has brought back. It's the super cards. Uh, if if you were a fan of PWI, I don't know if we did in the 80s. I think, yeah, we did do it in the 80s and certainly into the 90s. Um, this was used to be one of uh, our signature issues where we would have uh, results, photos, kind of review uh, some of the bigger cards of uh, the year. And uh, Kevin really chose just the right time uh, to to bring this feature back because um, we've got 30 pages of uh, coverage of several super cards. Let me pull them up here, uh, including the Royal Rumble, uh, New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom, New Year's Smash, mm-hmm. Triple Mania 28, uh, Impact's Hard to Kill, uh, King of Coliseum. Uh, Osaka Dream Cinderella and uh, Ring of Honor's Final Battle. So, uh, again, more than 30 pages uh, of coverage, uh, something that old school PWI fans will certainly appreciate. And uh, even newer fans, especially if you're if you don't see a lot of these, you know, maybe for you, Brian, certainly for me growing up, you know, one of the real uh, values of, of Pro Wrestling Illustrated is that it exposed you to uh, wrestlers and wrestling promotions that um, you wouldn't otherwise uh, see. I always say that I knew about Ric Flair for many years before I even saw my first uh, Ric Flair match. So uh, what do you think about PWI bringing back the Supercards? 
Yeah, it's a totally different landscape nowadays, obviously, with the Internet and everything and, and that sort of thing. And that's probably what made it go away for a while. But I think it's one of those things where when it's gone for long enough, then people start to really miss it, you know, and Kevin wasn't the only one who did. And, and one of the things that made it special was kind of like you said, what made PWI special always is that it ca- it covers professional wrestling as a sport or even as a business. It's it's not just it's not towing a company line. It's not just telling you what they want you to see or, you know, it, it's covering the whole thing. And when you lump all these different major shows that's a negative way to put it. But when you, you know, aggregate all these major shows together from different companies, it really gives a great picture of pro wrestling as a sport, as a business, you know, uh, beyond just what would be the low hanging fruit. So it's pretty cool. And um, I, I hope that and I'm sure that a lot of fans are going to be happy to see it come back. Along yeah, with other absolutely. great stuff actually happening in that issue, too. Yep, tons in, in this issue, and again, kind of continuing on um, Kevin's direction uh, uh, for the magazine. Uh, you can there's some features here about uh, some names that you've heard of, and maybe some that you haven't. Uh, names like uh, Masha Slamovich, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Jamie Senegal, and uh, much more. I've got uh, my hot seat interview with a name you probably do know, but maybe maybe a lot don't, or at least haven't until recently, and that is Adam Pierce. Uh, most fans today know him as a WWE official, but he's actually uh, about a 20-year ring veteran who um, kind of quietly behind the scenes over the last decade plus has become a real uh, kind of a power player. And uh, I, I talked to Adam for the magazine uh, about 10, 11 years ago, and so it was really fun catching up with him again. We even talked about um, that interview from, I think it was back in 2011, and had some laughs about uh, how much some things have changed and how uh, some things haven't changed uh, at all. And uh, in, the, in the upcoming weeks, we hope to feature some audio uh, from that interview here. Uh, what else? You've got your your columns. Uh, I know one you uh, write some about uh, Nick Aldous and the other one, um, your uh, White Was column, where you, you kind of look back on wrestling's history. Uh, you write about uh, Danny Hodge, right? That's right. Yeah, that one is is really looking back on Hodge's career and kind of what he meant to the business and how he in a lot of ways was kind of like the the junior heavyweight equivalent of like a Luthez or a Bruno San Martino, like that big of a deal. And so his passing, even though he's been out of the business for God, like 45 years, um, his passing is a really big deal. And it got, uh, you know, it's the nature of the business, but it got overshadowed. Uh, of course, I'm drawing a blank. There was a major death in the business that happened that day or the day after. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, it wasn't Butch Reed. Oh, was? oh, my God. It was Brody Lee. That's right. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. It totally. It did, it sort of did what happened with Farrah Fawcett when she, mm-hmm. when she died the, the same day as Michael Jackson. It's kind of what happened there. Uh, and I felt like he he really needed to get his, his due. And I, when Kevin told me to uh, actually we were planning to do, believe it or not, this Danny Hodge column in this issue while he was alive because um, Kevin had a bunch of great photos that he'd found in the archive. And he's like, hey, you know, maybe you might want to do something with this. And I was actually planning to write. I mean, this is really strange. I was planning to write a Danny Hodge way it was column for this issue. And it wound up being an obituary, which I didn't plan. But I mean, I'm glad that we could kind of pay tribute in that way. Yeah. Wow. Talk about foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So a real fun issue. Also in in this um, issue, and I don't want to kind of like bury the lead here. It's something that we'll probably have to come back to 
for uh, a discussion. I think it'd be a fun topic for an entire podcast. And that is sort of refining and changing some of our uh, uh, criteria, our policies for world championship recognition. And um, it's changed quite a bit. I think Kevin's talked about it a little bit in the, uh, the newsletter, maybe some other places. Um, you know, suffice to say, we have been a very... Uh, kind of discriminating in in the maybe that's not the best word, but but uh, um, in in who we recognize as a, a world champion uh, over the years, and uh, you know it for for really the last decade it's been WWE and not much else. I think we expanded it to include uh, the IWGP title and the AEW title just over the last year, um, but uh, we're kind of broadening her, our horizons some. Uh, again, we, we could talk about that further on another episode. Uh, but suffice to say, tons in this issue. You don't want to miss it. Go to pwi-online.com and uh, you can download it right away. Be reading it um, right now uh, or subscribe and uh, either to a digital edition or the print edition, have it uh, sent to your mailbox. And um, yep, you could still be flipping through a wrestling magazine in 2021. Uh, so uh, very cool stuff. And uh, if you subscribe, the longer you subscribe, the deeper the savings. You could save half of the cover price. It is the way to go. We are very busy these days. Um, it, it really feels like the turnaround is so much faster than just a few months ago. Now that we're, uh, we've got a couple more issues uh, in our our uh, production schedule. So uh, yeah, before I, we're already working on the next one. We're already talking um, uh, WrestleMania coverage and all that. So uh, we're just banging these out, and it's great. Uh, so please, uh, pwi-online.com uh, is the place to go. Um, you could also subscribe to the free PWI weekly uh, newsletter uh, sent right to your inbox. Uh, also, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and uh, leave us a kind review. Uh, you could send us an email at uh, pwipodcast at outlook.com or pwi at kappapublishing.com for all your PWI questions. Uh, what else? Follow us on social media at official PWI. Uh, always fun to interact uh, with your fans as I did on uh, while live tweeting the Elimination Chamber uh, this past uh, Sunday. And uh, what else? Pick up the uh, PWI line of t-shirts. And I think we were, we were just uh, talking about another one, right? I know Kevin was bouncing some uh, design ideas off of us. So uh, another real fun thing we've been uh, doing uh, as of late is uh, putting up these, putting out these T-shirts, a lot of fun, and you can get them at prowrestlingtees.com. Uh, All right, uh, Brian, I mentioned it. Uh, Elimination Chamber, the latest stop on the uh, road to WrestleMania. Um, overall, did you? Uh, before we get to some of of uh, the the news, some of it very big. Uh, did did you enjoy it? I gotta say, like my favorite thing about pay-per-views these days is that they are relatively short. It's crazy that you yes. know pay-per-views, even big ones, are shorter than the average monday night raw <laughs> you know i hadn't even thought of that but you're right uh this one was i guess what like two and a half hours probably. yeah just about yeah and they fly by that's even shorter than they used to be back in the day when when you had like the pay-per-view cutoff time limits to worry about it was like a three-hour yeah. block that they would have um i i have to say as as positive as i was about royal rumble i was really kind of meh about this elimination chamber i i think it just it just didn't really do a whole lot for me. I think I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I mean, it's it's the same thing we were talking about. I think we were talking about with Hell in the Cell, where it's like maybe they might want to reconsider, you know, and this shouldn't really be a pay per view where 
where you have to force feed these these angles into the match rather than just say this is a specialty match that we bring out whenever we have a feud that's hot enough to or 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 even an angle that's hot enough to support it because it starts to feel so forced there's just something about it that's so antiseptic especially nowadays in sort of like the bloodless era where you're pushing these kind of like brutal extreme matches and and really it doesn't look like anybody's getting that badly hurt at all and and it takes me right out of it not that i sound like i'm like a barbarian like i like i have a bloodlust but you know you can't have your cake and eat it too i remember at one point i think it was byron saxton one of the announcers you know one of the wrestlers is having his face like rubbed against the the you know the bars of the chamber and and he goes oh i can't tell you how how much that hurts how it, how it rips into your your face and your skin and i'm watching it and i'm going there's no ripping going on here no? <laughs> none whatsoever i don't know what you're talking about buddy i mean he's it's just, just the top it. layer of skin it's just the epidermis so you right can't. it's exfoliate <laughs> too i guess yeah. it was a combination of that and of course i was really bummed out and not in a wrestling mark kind of way, but in like a really bummed out way, seeing the Miz win that title. I, I just hate to be the Twitter guy who's like ranting about, but I mean, boy, that really just took the wind out of my sails. I, I hope it's another Randy Orton deal, but uh, it, it just, I don't know. You you watch it and you go, well, what was the point of the stipulation? If it, it you have this whole match where Drew McIntyre is defending the title and and all this stuff and 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 then you know he just loses it the second the match ends, and then they did the same thing even with the with the with the Universal Title match where you know it was like the winner gets a title shot, and then he gets squashed five seconds later by Roman Reigns. So it's it's like what's the yeah. point of having that match? If you're not going to give the challenger a chance, like even within the storyline, it just make the made the whole match seem pointless, you know? So I I don't know. It really it was that one. This one was a chore to get through, I have to say. Yeah, it, it, it's a good point that in, in both uh, cases, both matches, the, the winner kind of had the rug pulled out from under them right afterwards. Um, I, I hear uh, what you're saying. I, I agree with, with some of it. Um I guess I have less of a problem with the elimination chamber kind of being this uh, annual staple than than the Hell in a Cell because you're you're never going to organically come up or very rarely come up with uh, a a story involving a storyline involving whatever it is six people you know who are well, feuding with one very another. Rarely. But 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 what but what I think was an added complication. This year, one thing they've done, I think, somewhat effectively in the last few years is they've got somebody win the Royal Rumble. He calls a shot, essentially challenges whoever it's going to be um, for WrestleMania. And then um, they've had the Elimination Chamber um, sort of uh, uh, settle the other WrestleMania uh, main event. They've done that at times. And I think that that's a fine way to do it. Right. So in both cases, you kind of have to climb this giant mountain to get. Um, the, the most prestigious of all prizes, which is a world title shot at WrestleMania. Uh, because they didn't have Edge uh, choose his opponent um, until that night, you know, both these elimination chambers felt sort of especially unnecessary. I mean, in one case, you'd get a world title shot right afterward. 
who would sign up for that too? I mean, to like, uh, to, to, to get a world title shot after I just competed in elimination chamber, especially if it's right after, I mean, that really is such a dumb prize. And yeah. in the other case you have, you just had a uh, McIntyre uh, defending it. The flip side of that is, uh, I think even more consistently than the hell in the cell, the chambers tend to be really good matches. They're, they're a certain kind of match, right? I mean, they're, they're not good in the sense, um, and, and the, this has happened in the past, but they're typically not, story matches they're kind of spectacle matches but for spectacles um they're good these were not among the better elimination chamber matches i've seen but they were um fine i thought there was i think what you're saying is is true they, they're they're not nearly as brutal as they make them sound um and i you know they kind of went to the well too many times with jumping off the top of the little container things and all that uh, yeah. But there was, you know, a lot of good, good athleticism, some fun spots. So I thought, um, in general, they were they were enjoyable, and they did neither one dragged on too long um, no. either. Um, on the Miz, which obviously is the big story of the night, right? So uh, Drew wins, uh, then gets beat up by Lashley, and then Miz comes in and cashes in. I've got some mixed feelings on it, right? On on one hand, uh, Miz. As champion, I, I see why people would be bothered by it. I mean, the guy um, was very kind of firmly entrenched as a mid-carder, uh, and even that might kind of be overstated. He's a comedy act. He's one half of a comedy act. Uh, so putting the world title on him uh, does seem strange. Uh, that said, I thought his performance the next night on Raw uh, helped me feel better about better about it because I, I almost feel like he's um, his character works better in this role than without the title because uh, he he is that you know chicken heel and uh, I really enjoyed him trying to kind of explain why it wasn't the right time to defend the title against Bobby Lashley even while kind of you know being uh, uh, grateful for his help and trying to be respectful. Uh, I, I got a kick out of that. I thought he was a really good. And, um, you know, there, there is part of me that thinks, uh, uh, whatever it is, 10 years after his last world title reign, um, you know, I, it, it, there's part of me that's like, well, good for him. You know, he's been a company guy and a soldier and all that stuff. And, and I do think that, that he's one of these guys where there is the perception among, uh, uh, real wrestling fans that follow uh, uh, the business like you and I, and then there is kind of the casual perception. And uh, among those casuals, I think they have a very different kind of take on on The Miz. I mean, he's the guy who uh, uh, stars in this USA uh, reality show. My wife loves The Miz and Mrs. Uh, my kids get a kick out of The Miz. You know, he's sort of charismatic, sort of goofy. Um, you know, so... I think everybody kind of came to the same conclusion. They're like, whatever this is, it is uh, it is short term. Um, but I don't know. I mean, part of me wonders whether whether they can get something out of this. You know, well, the, the timing is hard because you just I can't see him at WrestleMania with the world title. Uh, but, I, I, you know, well, I don't know that it's actually, the worst thing in the world to elevate the guy in the, and having uh, have one more kind of main event presence, you know. Well, that's part of my fear, actually, because of this with the WrestleMania thing. The first thing I thought of when this happened, this is what's got me a little concerned now, is this is happening and in the wake of now the Miz being sort of attached to Bad Bunny. 
in this sort of like, you know, you're not a big enough star and what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And I'm a real Hollywood star. It's like kind of adding fuel to that feud. And my fear, I really hope I'm wrong, is that WWE and Vince McMahon, having been wowed by the astronomical merch numbers and things like that, that Bad Bunny has done since he's gotten hooked up with WWE. You know, they put the 24 seven title on him. He put it, he brought it on Saturday night live. I mean, they've got to be thrilled about that. I really, really hope that they are not thinking about putting him in some type of world title scenario with the Miz at WrestleMania or anywhere else, because I think that there may be an idea on the table. It's just a feeling I have. Yeah. Yeah. I could that be, would be like, that would be like having, you know, if in 1985, if Cindy Lauper was the one wrestling Leilani Kai for the title instead of Wendy, instead of being Wendy Richter's manager, or if Mr. T was actually wrestling for the title, which they never did because they knew that the celebrity, no matter how huge they are, and, and yes, in those cases and in this case, they're a bigger star than the wrestlers, but their point, their purpose there is to get over the wrestlers, to get over the company, not to put them over. So I'm really worried that they're going to take that a little bit too far. And again, like I said, I hope I'm wrong. Would you have as much a problem with that uh, if a couple things, if um, Bad Bunny and and it sounds like he's he's, you know, training pretty seriously. If he can put together a decent match, they could basically they could put together something that is watchable. And if the Miz retains, would you still be as offended by it? He would have to retain. That's first. Right. Of I mean, that that's the issue, right? I mean, you know what I, I can handle. I could even I wouldn't look like I've said so many times on, on the podcast before. I am always able and it's very hard now, but I'm always able to make that distinction between what I like and what I what what I personally prefer as a product, my own taste, which is not this. And, and what is actually really good for business. And I can recognize that and I can make the distinction uh, but this is really a tough one for me. And and I think uh, part of the problem is I, I, I'm i trying hard to wrap my head around it and get it. I know the guy is like the most popular and downloaded, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, music artist on the planet. I'm even watching him as a casual fan if I didn't know who he was or anything. And I, I personally feel like he just has no presence. He has no charisma. He has no personality. It's like. If you didn't know who he was, you would just think he was just some random guy they threw in there. Like he just doesn't have anything that screams to me like like that this guy is somebody that's worth doing this. But again, numbers don't lie, so I have to go. Right. I mean, you're saying that as a guy who is not a fan of Bad Bunny, nor am I. I wasn't. I imagine his fans. I, I could watch it and go, "This, all right, this guy has something. Like this is entertaining." I, I see him on screen and it's just nothing. Every segment he's in is flat. He just it's like he he, he he's looking at the floor half the time. I, I just don't see it. But but what I could kind of get with personally is, OK, if he's got to be in the mix here and it just feels suspicious because the Miz was nowhere near the title. Right. And now the minute this whole thing's happening, now he's got the belt. Maybe if they could do like maybe a tag team match, you know, like like they did with Mr. T and Hulk Hogan, where it's maybe like Bad Bunny and um, and Damian Priest. Right. Which, which is a great idea. They've hooked him up with him, which I think is really good against the Miz and somebody else. Maybe more something yeah. like that. But, I could get so you're saying without the title on the line, without the title on the line, tag team match. And then you can also if you do that. 
then you can put the focus unequivocally on like Roman Reigns and Edge as your main event, you know? But then you're not going to have a WWE Championship match at WrestleMania. I mean, that's um, it, it sounds like Miz and Morrison versus Priest and Bunny was the plan for WrestleMania. Um, like you said, I mean, you wonder whether they're reevaluating things and maybe um, thinking you could put him even a bigger role if he's in a world title match. Um, you know, I've got mixed feelings on it. On, on one hand, I think the one thing um, that makes me less bothered by it is that there isn't an obvious WWE championship match, um, certainly a, a dream match or anything like that, that we would be foregoing, right? Uh, because right up until, you know, he won the title and even beyond that, I still wasn't clear on who uh, Drew's WrestleMania opponent would be. Uh, I guess everybody's talking Lashley now. And and um, when when I heard that, I heard everybody kind of draw that conclusion. I thought, really? I mean, I mean, I think that's, that's fine. I think Lashley's a talent, uh, but I don't see that as any kind of like big WrestleMania match. They, they wrestled in um, whatever the pay-per-view was last year, right after WrestleMania. It was kind of a throwaway pay-per-view. And granted, Lashley's profile has has grown since then, but I don't see him, and, and maybe others do, but, uh, but I don't see him as like this WrestleMania threat to the to the world title. Uh, and you could still go and do that match, uh, I suppose, without the title on the line. Uh, it would be a mid-card match, an upper mid-card match. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not advocating for any of this. I'm just saying if, if the idea is, you know, I, we've got this program with Bad Bunny and, and The Miz. Uh, it's doing real well. Bad Bunny's a, a, a huge star. What if we put him in a world title match? Uh, at WrestleMania, I can understand the thinking there. I, I again, I'm not saying I'm advocating for it. Uh, I certainly wouldn't support him winning the world title. But but could you do something? You're talking David Arquette wins? wins. I don't know. What's that? I said you're talking David Arquette territory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that that's absolutely what what, what came uh, to mind. Uh, yeah, David Arquette turned out to be an okay wrestler. So, uh, right, that's true. That's true. When he's got I, a, a future. I could see. I I, I actually could see Lashley. And McIntyre as a big match. But the problem with that match is I think the title makes that match. I think with the right push and build, that would have been a great WWE title match for WrestleMania. Again, with the right build, those two guys. Now, I think that would have been great. Without the title, there's a lot of – it's just – it's not quite the same match. Now, what has me worried about what they're going to do with Miz is – so they put the title on him. Now – you could have done that tag team match with Bad Bunny without the title. You don't need Miz to be champion in no. that scenario. The fact that they put it on him is what's making me think they're changing gears and they want to do a world title match with Miz versus Bad Bunny. And I, I, I just cannot – I can't get behind that. I just I just can't do it. I cannot bring myself to do that. Sorry. <laughs> well, we we still have uh, a few more stops, right? So it, it – you know – I. I, I think the most likely scenario still is between now and WrestleMania, the Miz loses that title, um, you know, potentially to Lashley next week. And then maybe Lashley versus Drew at WrestleMania. Drew's in the, the challenger's role. And uh, maybe this is their way, uh, you know, hoping and, and maybe expecting that they've got some fans um, in Tampa for, for WrestleMania you know, running it back and having Drew win that title and, you know, finally getting that crowd reaction, um, or at least being able to kind of gauge what that crowd reaction uh, is. So maybe that's the plan. Um, there, There's 
there's a lot, you know, we still have a whole other pay-per-view. We've got Fastlane between now and then. So uh, the the Miz, who doesn't do a whole lot of winning, uh, would would have to win a lot, I guess, between now and WrestleMania. So I, I still think that uh, it is relatively unlikely that the Miz still has that title at WrestleMania. But who knows? I mean, it does feel like maybe some things are in flux and, and you hear about WWE. Uh, wanting to appeal to the Latin market and having, you know, that's been a goal for years and they've always kind of missed the boat on that. Uh, and they might feel they've got something special, not just in uh, a bad bunny and in Damon Priest. And, you know, he's got huge upside uh, for sure. So, so I get that. Um, you know, is there any chance that it's Damon Priest versus the Miz for the, the world title at WrestleMania? I can't imagine. Well, maybe they do that and Bad Bunny's in the corner. I could get with that. I could even get with that. It's just, you know, his role should be to put them over. He's giving them the rub. Even if he doesn't put them over, in the sense of losing, his goal is to give them the rub. By being there with them, it makes them into bigger stars, right? This is wrestling 101. It's not to serve his purpose, right? I mean, or it shouldn't be. And and I think if it is, then you're only thinking – in the very, very, very short term. And I just, I don't think that's the right way to be thinking. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Uh, the, the other side of it, uh, again, Roman Reigns uh, retains in the Elimination Chamber. Uh, I, I thought it really was really up in the air who would win this one. I was thinking that it could be uh, Cesaro. He seems kind of um, being groomed for something special now. You know, Kevin Owens was obviously in the mix, uh, him being the, the last uh, challenger to Roman Reigns and still having this program going on they give it to daniel bryan as you touched on basically squash him um, right after that it 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 felt like maybe there's still a chapter or two to that story maybe that's fast lane uh i'd like to see that match again uh but they confirm that it's edge and roman reigns at wrestlemania uh we talked uh, about this a little bit um in a recent episode uh you still feel good about this match i mean does it does it feel like a wrestlemania main event uh, I think on paper it is, but they need to really get moving on it. I feel like they're dragging their feet and it feels weird why. I understand the tease of who he's going to you know, pick and all that stuff, but I, I, I just think this kind of match really benefits from that that build of like, like what I talked about last time where it's stressing edge as the underdog, you know, he's like, he, he's the older guy. He's been hurt. He's, he, does he have ring rust? Roman Reigns is like at the peak of his career right now. He's like this, this powerful heel, you know, he's unstoppable and he, he's, you know, edges the underdog and you need time to kind of set that up. But I think absolutely that is um, to me, right now a wrestlemania main event yeah and and by main event what should close the show at at wrestlemania okay uh that's the big question right because you know they always like to end with a happy ending so i guess not always but i mean very very most of the time are you thinking edge does not win the title well, that's what I'm kind of calculating in my head. It it all depends on what they have planned to do. Is he going to actually win it or not? If if he's winning it, then absolutely, that's your conclusion of WrestleMania. If he's going to lose, I don't know actually if you want to end it that way. But the more I think about it, I feel like may, maybe that is your that's the way to book it. I, I'm that you have your big main event, you have your big feel good moment. Edge wins the title. He doesn't have to hold it a really long time. I mean, Reigns could get it right back, but I mean, that would make a great WrestleMania ending. 
Yeah. What I'm not clear about on is, um, and, and maybe he's talked about this somewhere, is what are Edge's plans beyond WrestleMania? I mean, what was his goal uh, to get back to this spot to to challenge for the world title uh, at WrestleMania, be back in a WrestleMania main event? And, you know, given that he's he's close to 50 years old, to say that's enough. You know, I, I, I got to leave on my own terms and have the, the match that I wanted. Uh, or is he, does he see himself as being around for, for the long haul, in which case that really kind of changes everything, right? I mean, do you put the title on him and he goes on a run and defends it? It, it, you, you can't imagine them cutting the legs out from Roman Reigns like that because, um, he, he's so over and so good. Uh, but you know, who's to say that he even needs the title to to continue being as good as he is and as dominant as he is i don't think that's the the way to go with him in a long-term sense like even when i was talking about it last time about how it's like the rocky balboa scenario for me meaning like the 2006 movie right where he's like older and making his comeback and all this stuff i feel like even they in that movie had the good sense to say okay well he can't actually like win the title here and all this it's inspirational to see him chase it and and get really close to it so i think you know even if edge does win i think it's got to be a very short-term thing um, I don't think it would be that's where I would turn on it, you know, and I was the one defending it, saying I think it's great that he won the Royal Rumble and it's inspirational. and He's getting a title shot. But if they're planning on him being like the long term guy and Roman Reigns goes back to like upper mid card, I think that would be a big mistake. And and I hope that that's not I don't think that's what they're planning to do. Uh, to tell you the truth, I mean, I had heard this floated around and I don't know who I don't know if there's any credence to this or if somebody was just theorizing but a couple of people at certain points mentioned that they thought that um, this whole thing might have been done to keep Edge from potentially jumping to AEW. Yeah, and it might have been a thing where they were like, yeah, OK, we'll we'll give you whatever you want, basically. And that might include a, a, a title win. Who knows? Or at least at least it's going to include a WrestleMania main event. But if that's the case, if they were just trying to keep him from going there again, I, I don't think this would be like we're going to make you our top guy. I, I just don't think that I think this is really probably a short term thing to keep him from, you know, becoming the next Jericho or Big Show now, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Big Show, maybe it's a good transition to hey. uh, uh, AEW. Good job. Thank you. Uh, Thank so you. <laughs> I, I saw it come over uh, today. It was on my Facebook and, and uh, you know, did a real double take and had to check that it was genuine. Um, you know, not the kind of name that you would have expected AEW to to go after. But yeah, the, the, the news came out that they've signed uh, Paul White, uh, the big show, uh, to a long term contract. It looks like he's going to be doing some announcing and also some uh, wrestling. How old is Paul White these days? Uh, you know, I think I may have your answer. I think I know his age. Uh, I, I think he's going to be 49 this year. Yep. 49. Actually, he just had his 49th birthday uh, this month. So, uh, you know, again, in WWE, he'd fit right in. Uh, He's (laughs) right in in like that, that, that median age, um, in, in AW, it, it, it it doesn't sound like he's going to be a full-time wrestler, but uh, not exactly old and broken down either. Other than a guy that big with with that many miles, he doesn't move around uh, as well as he used to. Uh, but cosmetically, at least last few times we've seen him, he seems to be in good shape. Um, what what do you think? I mean, what, what is the upside of having Paul White in AEW? 
Well, I think that the fact that they really seem to stress the announcing stuff in there and, and that seemed to be like what they were kind of leaning on a little more, I, I tend to think, yeah, it'll probably not be a full – well, what is full-time wrestling right now, especially yeah, right. W, It's not that much. But I don't think he's going to be a guy like you're going to see wrestling every week or things like that. you know. Uh, but I think it, it – you know, everybody said, okay, oh, I thought he would be a lifer and all this stuff. And it's like, look, th- this is a business. I mean, what was WWE doing with him right now? I mean, he'd been there for 22 years now almost or more than that. And, uh, you know, who knows what the offer was? I almost get a feeling that he might have re- been the one to reach out to them. I mean, I'm just speculating of just thinking like, well, I'm not doing anything right now. They're not really doing anything with me. I, I did this TV show. It got canceled and all that. You know, let me let me give this a whirl. Like, I have some friends over there. What, what has he got to lose? So, you know, it, it's one of those things where AEW now they have, you know, I'm thinking of like established WWE names. They got, you know, Jericho. They've got um I, I would even put cody rhodes in there even though he was never you know like a main event kind of guy but the one thing they have yet to do and this and and paul white is not uh, is has not broken that rule yet they have yet to really poach like a a current top guy from wwe and i think well actually ambrose would 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 fit that category yeah Ambrose would be the one, but I mean, like well, that. He wasn't the top guy when he left WWE, but but that's yeah, probably that was right. late. I mean, I'm waiting for that moment. It's like, look, you you know, you remember the Monday Night Wars days. I'm waiting for the Lex Luger shows up on Nitro moment. You know what I mean? I don't know if that happens anymore. I mean, the way contracts are, are, are structured these yeah. days, it 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 it'd be very difficult for it to be a surprise. Probably that's why this feels like as, as big a surprise as could be and and that's only because nobody's really monitoring paul white's contract status uh, right but but if it was whoever you know i don't know pick your your top star roman reigns or something i feel like it'd be impossible to sneak that in right i mean th- th- that would be on on everybody's rain uh radar um but yeah it is is does aw have to be mindful at all here about a the optics of this i mean in as much as they put themselves out there as sort of the alternative to WWE and in doing so go after a certain kind of uh, a star. Right. So the 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 wrestlers that they have uh, signed, um, even the ex WWE wrestlers, I, I think by and large, what you're talking about wrestlers have the reputation of being uh, a better than they were being treated in in wwe uh and and that often mean means sort of undersized you know underused very athletic of a 50 year old giant you know who who was a top guy in the attitude era um i wonder if if they could face some backlash just in terms of you know it's what impact did for all those years right it was just like what you used to work for wwe you know we want you You, you'll be our top guy just kind of fawning over um, having that that resume, you know, have, having been a top guy in WWE, because uh, you know otherwise, and 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 I'm not even saying I subscribe to any of this, but it, it is hard to see what um, is so appealing to AEW about a Paul White. Uh, he hasn't done announcing before. Or, or at least not on a big level. So unless they know something, I don't. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know why they'd be so excited about him uh, being an announcer. And maybe he turns out to be really good. Uh, you know, in in the ring, even um, if 
he he is in really good shape and, and better shape than he's been in the past. He's almost 50 years old and he's a giant. I mean, he, he's, I, I, who do you pair him with? I mean, it, it's just sort of a it's peculiar, not necessarily bad, but but peculiar. I think um, if the, if it becomes a pattern, you know, you wouldn't want to see that happen. But there's a big difference between this to me and TNA or impact, because, I mean, these guys are not. Well, look, either you have someone like Jericho, who was the one exception because he was the guy that the whole thing was being hung on when they first started it. Right. You, you and, and Moxley, I don't consider Moxley to be a problem because he was a guy still at his peak, at his prime. What right. You he wasn't being used right. Right. You don't want to have happen. What TNA did back then was it was a roster of all the top guys were, were people basically the WWE didn't want anymore. That was the bottom line of it. And and you don't want that to happen over here because, yeah, then you have TNA 2.0. And honestly, like TNA always back then had the the stigma was like, oh, it's like it's like what WCW was, you know, for a while there where they were just snatching up the people WWF didn't want back then. So you, you don't want that to happen because I would say so far that has not been my impression of AEW. It really has not. I mean, they, they've impressed me in the sense of like the way they've been using people and creating stars and and trying to not be that. So I I would sh- yeah, and and this doesn't bother me at all because it's it, it feels like it's a supporting role. You know, he's he he's going to be a great guy to have around in terms of like um, you know, somebody to learn from, especially bigger guys and things like that. That's good. But if the show just starts being dominated by people like that, then then, you know, that that's going in the wrong direction. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I I'm optimistic about what this is going to be. And uh, to be sure, he's a huge talent. And um, I think at, at this stage of his career, a bona fide legend. It does come after just signing Sting not long ago. So there's another one where now you all right. Like, well, so. Uh, you, you do, you know, is it the, the, the saying one, two trend? So uh, they they get one more of these and you start to wonder, like, well, what's going on here? Uh, well, someone posted a, a meme where it was like, hey, look, it's the it's the, the AEW roster. And they had all like pictures from the 90s of, you know, uh, Goldust, uh, Sting, Jericho, uh, the big show. And, and, and you know, you it does start to look like, wow, I really hope this doesn't become a pattern. But as of right now, I don't see it as a problem. Well, one thing that I do think has become pretty apparent, and uh, I, I don't know that this is a bad thing, but it is clear that um, AEW is trying to draw a line um to WCW at its uh, peak, right? I mean, I think they're trying to kind of establish that there is a lineage uh, there, uh, some of it relating to, you know, yeah. Turner and, and all of that. Uh, but when you see them bring in uh, a sting, and not just sting, I mean, even you want to talk Tully Blanchard and Art Anderson and um, even, you know, going after some of these copyrights. I don't know that they've successfully gotten any of them, but they, I think they tried to go after, was it Beach Blast or something like that? Bash at and, the Beach. Yeah. Well, they ended up, uh, I forgot what they ended up settling with. Uh, even war games. And, and you got to understand, right, that uh, a lot of this feels like Cody Rhodes and understanding um, that his father was was so key 
uh, in building WCW uh, as we knew it, uh, especially on that creative end and, and a lot of those signature pay-per-views and, and match types and, and all of that. Uh, but it it doesn't feel like a coincidence that, uh, you know, when I see Paul White, that was my first thought was sort of like, oh, the return of the Giants to TNT, that that kind of thing. Yeah. Somebody somebody was joking that they might call him Titan, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, because the big show was supposed to be TBS. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Don't. I mean, I wonder if they'll try to do the lethal lottery that I would like. <laughs> Oh, what a that? We could do a whole show on that. Lethal lottery. Yeah. Um, just in general, it's been a while since we've caught up on, on AEW. Are, are you liking uh, what you're seeing? I mean, they definitely, at the same time as they're they're bringing in these former established stars, they're also um, reaching out to all these different companies now, right? So now there's clearly a working relationship with, um, with Impact. And we saw Kenta show up not long ago. It looks like the, those doors are open now uh, with New Japan. We've already seen them establish a working relationship with uh, NWA, even AAA. Uh, is, is this a winning strategy? Yeah, it is. It, it, I think it's great. And again, it's they, they have a knack of, of kind of like hooking onto things that WWE is not doing. You know, and this is one of those things. This is one of the things they have on them that, you know, WWE has always been afraid of. And they've done a little bit in in recent years, like with with Evolve and Ring of Honor and stuff. But but they've always been afraid of like sort of elevating these other companies by acknowledging them, you know. And and uh, what what AEW is doing is they're creating like sort of like an expanded universe, you know, if you want to think of it in a movie sense. It, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's got it's cool for fans. It would be like if the DC superheroes, you know, started fighting the Marvel superheroes and things like that. I mean, it, it, I, I think I think it's great. I think it's great for wrestling. And, you know, they've done it with other things like, you know, they don't have to worry about, the you know, the TVPG things that WWE does. And so they kind of hook into that. Like they're good at finding ways to really be uh, an alternative. You know, I, I do still say in my taste that dynamite is, and I may not seem like the person who'd say it, but that dynamite is still in my mind, the most entertaining show wrestling weekly show. Um, I usually watch everything in DVR. Like I very rarely watch it live, especially the weekly shows. So like with, with, um, with a, with dynamite and NXT, I'm almost never watching them like back to back, like switching back and forth. You know, I I almost never do that. And I did that. Last week or I think the week before, hadn't done it in a million years. And the experience of doing that, it, it, it showed me in the moment. I, I have to say, I very rarely was motivated to switch over to see what was happening on NXT. I yeah. just kept going, well, I'm recording it. I could watch it later. Like I, 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 would, I was much more interested in sticking with Dynamite. And I, I know I'm not the only one. I think a lot of that is uh, sort of production value and, and style and um aw has um throughout the pandemic i think been smart about keeping that arena feel and uh you could question the safety of this uh at some times over the last year but having some fans there um and then you flip over to nxt and uh, some of this predates the the pandemic but it's always been small dark sort of dingy um, it, it, it has more of kind of a minor league feel uh, and as well, maybe it should. That is WWE's minor leagues. 
but you, you put the two next to each other and yeah, I mean, AEW is just more, more inviting, more appealing. Um, it, it, it feels like a bigger deal every Wednesday night. So, uh, and you know, the, the, the ratings, uh, seem to bear that out also. So, yeah. Um, all right, Brian, a lot of fun. Uh, good catching up on, on a lot of stuff. Uh, this is a, a fun time of the year to be a fan with uh, WrestleMania on the horizon. So, uh, we'll have a lot to talk about between now and then. Uh, thanks a bunch. Um, right now, let's listen to Ring of Honor veteran Rhett Titus. Thanks so much again for uh, for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, wanted to talk to you for, for a while uh, here for the Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, podcast. And I've been watching Ring of Honor for for a long time, and remember when you were the uh, the newcomer, and uh, just watching that profile that they they did on uh, YouTube about you. And wow, man! So you got what, 16 years in the company now. Yeah, uh, yeah. In March. Uh... It'd be uh, 16 years from like when I first started working for the company in any capacity. But uh, this past January was my 15 year anniversary of actually wrestling for the company. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's been a long, uh, bumpy <laughs> ride with lots of peaks, lots of valleys and a lot of stuff in between. Yeah. Could, could you have imagined when, when you just joined the dojo, uh, what, what is that, 15, 16 years ago? that, uh, you know, you pretty much have made a career out of this and, and still been here all those years later? It's, it was uh, wild, wild to think about that because, you know, back then I was I was just happy being part of the crew, you know. I wasn't even making a damn penny. I was losing money every weekend, uh, lots of money, and I was just so happy to be there and just be part of something like that. And uh, to now, you know, like fast forward, you know, not only for myself but for Ring of Honor, as a whole, you know, where it has come in all these years, you know, you gotta, you gotta understand now. I, uh, I was at the fir- very first ring of honor show February 23rd, 2002, the Honor begins as a fan. So from the Murphy recreation center, you know, to Madison square garden. And it's all just been amazing. A long, long, wonderful journey. And I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. I, I saw that video they put up of you watching, uh, was the first ring of honor match. It was the first main event, or was this the first match ever? Uh, it was the first official match. The show did kick off with Christopher Street Connection versus the Hit Squad, uh, but that's kind of been scrubbed from history just because of the questionable uh, content. You know? oh, yeah. Things yeah. things are a little bit different back in 2002. <laughs> so. What do you remember about going to that show just as a fan? I mean, for you, was it just another indie show, uh, or did you come away from it knowing that you had just seen something special? Well, I was at an interesting point in my life. I think I was like 13 or 14 years old, like maybe like a freshman in high school. And, you know, I was a big like ECW fan. And once ECW went out of business and WCW went out of business and, you know, the Monday Night Wars were over, it was just kind of like, ah, Raw's on tonight. Uh, yeah, cool, whatever, you know. And then like my brother-in-law was like, hey, uh, you want to go to this uh, wrestling show called Ring of Honor? I was like, ah, no, not really. He's like, well, uh, Eddie Guerrero and Steve Carino are going to be there. I was like, oh, okay, let's go. You know, those are my two favorite wrestlers. So I wasn't really expecting too much uh, outside of Eddie Guerrero and Steve Carino, you know. And then, uh, you know, when I got there and, uh, man, I saw that from the time, you know, the first match started and, you know, the – the, this wasn't sports entertainment. This was wrestling as a sport, and these guys were athletes. These guys weren't entertainers. You know, I was like, I was amazed by it. And 
you know, I had always wanted to be a professional wrestler growing up, but you know, like, like I was saying before, when wrestling kind of went downhill there for that little bit of period, I was like, ah, you know, but this totally reinvigorated my love for wrestling. And I was like, this is where I got to be. This is what I got to do. Like, how do I get inside here? <laughs> you know, like I was just all about ring of honor from that point on. I was every day just checking the website for the latest updates. And, you know, I was, I was hooked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally uh, understand where you're coming from. And, and there's, there's a couple of uh, uh, times in kind of my wrestling fandom where I remember feeling like I was watching something revolutionary. And, and one was, uh, as you touched on the first ECW show I went to back in 1995 in uh, Orange County, uh, New York. Oh, and, wow. um, and the other was my first Ring of Honor show, which is in 2006. They were already a few years in. And I went oh. over to uh, see him on uh, Long Island at the Sportsplex. Did you ever work at the Sportsplex in uh, Lake Grove? Yeah, yeah. 2006. What month was that? It would have been uh, November. Uh, I think. Okay, I, so that, I that was that DVD, yeah. That was Black Friday. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wrestled on that show on the pre-show. I always liked the the Long Island uh, buildings. You know, Mick Foley would always come by, and uh, that's funny that your first ECW show was in '95. My first ECW show was actually November '94, so I got you uh, beat by like a year or so. Yeah. And, and, and I remember on, on, you know, when ECW folded thinking, you know, there's never going to be something like this again, where it feels so, uh, again, revolutionary is a word that comes to mind, kind of counterculture. And, and on one hand, you think Ring of Honor would be the, the complete opposite of that. But I remember having that same feeling. And obviously, for, for different reasons, because you're very different. It was just this feeling that they are presenting something that nobody else is presenting. I mean, certainly WWE as, as the main brand, they weren't presenting. It was really like a completely different vision of what wrestling um, could be. I, don't, I, I remember that being my, my big takeaway. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to a lot of the guys as well who, you know, had the same feeling their first time watching Ring of Honor. And I think... You know, over the years, Ring of Honor kind of lost their identity a little bit. And mm -hmm. when you turned it on, you may not get that same feeling that, you know, I got and you got and multiple other people have gotten. But if you tune into Ring of Honor TV today or Ring of Honor pay-per-view today and compare it to what else is going on, you, you'll you most likely get that feeling once again. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about that. Cause I, I, I want to talk about that. And I think it's an interesting point because over the years, uh, right, this unique niche that Ring of Honor had um, has been kind of I don't know copied or emulated, but but it just it became less unique um, as you know whether it's AEW, or AEW, NXT, uh, they started presenting uh, a similar focus on athleticism as wrestling, uh, as wrestling as sport as you touched on, and how much do you think that hurt Ring of Honor? at a certain period where they just didn't feel unique anymore because, you know, other companies had, had adopted that same style. Um, well, I, I think it helped and it hurt too, because I think that, you know, when Daniel Bryan showed up in WWE or CM Punk showed up in WWE and guys like Seth Rollins and stuff like that, you know, they're like, oh my gosh! Like, who are these guys? Where the hell do they come from? Oh, they're they're from Ring of Honor. Like, oh, what's Ring of Honor? Let me go check that out. 
and that brought a lot of new eyes on the product because it it was like the breeding ground for you know the future stars of tomorrow. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, like I said, it also hurt because now when you're watching, it didn't have that same sort of feeling because everybody else was trying to emulate that style too. So it, you know, one thing that Brian showed up in WWE, you know, shortly after that, the in-ring style started to change a little bit and more and more ring of honor guys started to uh, pop up in there like uh, Claudio Cesaro and stuff like that. The ring of honor style kind of got brought to the mainstream and uh, it wasn't as special, but you know, things like the code of honor and stuff like that, you know, being followed and, it really gives Ring of Honor its identity back and its uh, special nature back. So hoping the the fan that I can, you know, make a fan feel the way that I felt when I was going to uh, the Murphy Rec Center for the first time, maybe yeah. the first time turning on Ring of Honor TV. Yeah, yeah. In in, in that way, the, the pandemic and, and that shutdown of Ring of Honor for several months almost worked as kind of like a, a, a reset, right? Because it felt like when Ring of Honor came back, uh, last whatever it was late summer um, after uh, that that hiatus, it had kind of a renewed focus on on what it was right. I mean, it relaunched with the uh, the pure title tournament, and uh, you know we we see more of sticking to to you know the, those traditions like the code of honor. Uh, was, was that intentional? And, and and what do you think about it? That the ring of honor kind of reclaiming their original identity. Well, with all that time off, you know you. And then coming back with no fans, you gotta you gotta try doing something different, you know. Like I watched a lot of the, uh, you know, pandemic error slash empty arena wrestling error, and a lot of it was really bad because guys were just going out there pretending like the people were still there and they're not there, but they're acting like you know they're getting cheered or booed or, and it's just it's just very unrealistic looking on TV and just very, uh, it just takes you out of it. You know, I remember watching like a, a raw or something and just like couldn't keep my eyes on the TV. And then like a guy like Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, Cesaro would wrestle and they were, you know, just out there wrestling. And, and like, it was like, Oh wow, I can keep my eyes on this. This is, I don't even notice that no people are there. And that was my thought going back into like, you know, ring of honor, I was like, hey, like I need to wrestle like this because, you know, this takes people out of the element. This takes, this brings people into the ring, into the action. You know, you hear the grunt, the groans. You know, you see the the expressions on the wrestlers' faces, the the pain that the the holds and the submissions are putting on their faces, and it just brings more people into it. And um, I definitely think it was by design too. Uh, like the the pure tournament was like the perfect launching pad for that because. You know, the style that the pure rules matches, you know, brings. And then, you know, all the guys who weren't in the pure tournament are like, oh, man, I, I got to really step my game up because this this is really good and this is what we need to bring to TV going forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you still don't have fans. And, uh, you know, even like Impact Wrestling now is has pumped in uh, fake crowd noise, which is now, I guess, kind of become commonplace in this pandemic, Ring of Honor is still not doing that. Uh, do you think that's the right call? I mean, there's obviously something missing when you don't have that crowd reaction, but then I don't know that just, you know, making it up or, or uh, recreating it is the best solution um, either. So are, are you okay with Ring of Honor's presentation right now? 
I, I absolutely love it. I think it's the best it's ever been, to be honest. Um, well, you know, obviously if there was fans in the crowd, you know, it'd be a lot better. But the the crowd noise, when you can obviously tell that there's no people there, I, I think it's just silly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, uh, while, like, for instance, like, uh, you take that Randy Orton edge match uh, from, you know, greatest wrestling match ever, or whatever they called it. Um, it was a great match, you know, but they put all that extra little stuff in it and it just wasn't necessary, <laughs> you know, like there's certain things you can't replicate. I feel at least. And I think that like, you know, chance like this is awesome or, or fight forever, stuff like that. That just has, has to happen organically. You can't produce that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as far as like putting in crowd noise for ring of honor shows, and that would just be doing what everybody else is doing. And Ring of Honor is trying to be different. I mean, uh, I think, like I was saying before, without the piped-in crowd noise, it brings you into the match more. And with the commentary team, me and Rickabani and Caprice Coleman, and, you know, they get so into it. They're as much into it as the wrestlers are, you know. It's it's taken, it's uh, it's replacing that crowd interaction. So, you know, you, you, you hear Caprice, oh my God, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it brings you into it, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to produce wrestling TV in 2021 with all the, you know, uh, limits and stuff, but I think Ring of Honor is doing a wonderful, wonderful job, but we're really firing on all cylinders right now. And yeah. if we get the crowd back in there, you know, the sky is the limit. Yeah. What was it like for those uh, months where you all were just sitting around, I guess, on the sidelines, waiting for things to get back up and running and, and watching WWE and, and AEW and some other companies finding a way to, to go ahead and put on shows? Uh, did you support the decision to just shut down and um, protect the, the health and welfare of employees and wrestlers? Or were you, you know, itchy, you know, antsy to get back in there and and figure out a way to do it. Uh, yes and no. I supported the decision to shut it all down. Um, yes, because, you know, I appreciate that the company took care of everybody and paid everybody on their time off and wanted to make everybody feel safe and their families feel safe and find out more about the virus and the testing and the, the time periods and stuff like that before trying to run shows and that sort of thing and put us all at risk. And, you know, you got to understand, you know, you're rolling around with these, <laughs> with these other guys, you know, yeah. like the or whatnot. And you know, all of a sudden you go home to your family, you know, you potentially bring whatever you got, you got there at home. So, you know, ring of honor, you know, really, uh, made a, you know, bulletproof bubble, you know, so they could really think everything out. They took their time to think it all out. And, uh, it came with a, a really great strategy to produce new episodes of TV. Um, and then also on the other side, no, is the wrestler inside of me who, you know, who's just chomping at the bits, you know, watching all this wrestling on TV and, you know, watching old wrestling and just, you know, uh, I would, every, every week it's like, all right, I think, I think this week is going to be the week that we're, we're going to be going back. You know, we're going to be getting an email soon. I know it. I can just feel it. And I was, I was training like that every week, you know, it was like, 
I uh, was I made a little gym in my backyard, even though that the the gyms were closed in Jersey from March till September. I was TV ready the whole summer, just waiting to get back in there. Like, put me in, coach. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, that call didn't come until around uh, July or August or August, yeah. So, uh, and then finally when it did, it's like, oh, thank God, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad that Ring of Honor, you know, looking at looking back at it now, I'm glad that Ring of Honor took their time and figured everything out and did it in a safe way. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about where, where you are. Uh, as you said now, you know, you've gone from, I remember you being sort of the, the new act now to kind of the veteran of the locker room and uh, different roles over your career. There are a lot of uh, tag teams. Uh, most people probably remember your longest stint with uh, with Kenny King and the All Night Express. Uh, now part of uh, the foundation. Uh, can, can you talk about you know are, are you happy with where you're at now? Obviously you know rubbing uh, uh, elbows with some of the top names uh, in Ring of Honor, uh, Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham. Um, y- you happy with this spot now? Uh, I'm I'm thrilled. Because uh, not only I'm working with some of the top names in the company, Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal, Tracy Williams, um, I'm also working with like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, even with Kenny King, you know, it was about, hey, what's best for Kenny, you know, and not what's best for the All Night Express. Whereas now it's, you know, no, we're not sitting there going, oh, what's best for Jay Lethal or what's best for Tracy Williams or what's best for Jonathan Gresham. It's what's best for the foundation and what's best for Ring of Honor, what's best going forward. So, um, and we we all are on the same page in trying to uh, restore honor. Jay Lethal, you know, he's a longtime uh, Ring of Honor veteran as well. You know, he. I remember my first match, in Ring of Honor, January 2006 was the first time Jay Lethal ever main invented a show. Uh, you know, obviously he went to TNA for a while, but you know he's back and it's like he never left. You know, he's the franchise of the company. And then uh, you know Jonathan Gresham and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, those are two guys that you know grew up watching Ring of Honor the, the golden days in like 05 and 06. Like, oh my gosh, like how do I? They, they were feeling the same way I was, you know. Uh, in 02 and 03 how do i get a part of this and then finally they uh they got a part of it and you know they want to uh, make it back to where like when they were fans watching it so um it's very uh it's a very good position to be in right now a lot of focus is on the foundation as well so uh you know i uh i can't complain at all al (laughs) yeah yeah you know entering this kind of stage of your career where, where you're kind of the veteran now of the Ring of Honor locker room. He's got 15 years uh, in the company. Uh, do, do your priorities change? I mean, are you um, more sort of motivated to reach that next level? You know, do, do, you, do you kind of, you know, don't want to be complacent, realize, right, at, at this stage in my, my career, I, I got to start thinking big picture, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, it, you have your eye on the world title, on the main event scene, on, on the very, very top uh, spot in the company. You know, it's funny, uh, you, you know, uh, you said the word veteran and, you know, it's so funny because, like, I have to remind myself, like, oh, man, I, I am the veteran. Of the I, have, I, I have been here for 15 years because, you know, to be completely honest with you, Al, 
um, I'm as hungry as I was when I walked into the company in 2005. You know, I, I'm, you know, <laughs> I can still just be doing the the ring and taking the tickets and ringside security and all that stuff and be just as happy. But you know, now my role has changed, and um, you know, it's uh, it's funny because you know. I, like I was saying earlier, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys for me. There's a, it's been like a big long roller coaster ride where I get all the way to the top and then come crashing down hard. You know, mm-hmm. this time uh, I'm very focused on getting to the top and staying there, and which is, you know, it's very easy to get to the top. <laughs> you know, the top feels so much better than the bottom, but the 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 key is to stay on top. So. That is something that um, I'm definitely, uh, you know, wrestling with every day. But now uh, with the foundation backing me, it's uh, it's a lot easier of a task. Have you had, like, any kind of epiphanies about what that secret ingredient is, you know, what it does take to uh, stay at the top? I think a lot of it just has to do with confidence. Um. Was that missing at times? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, you, you start, you, you know, you, you can be in the greatest shape and, you know, been wrestling for all these years, but I think sometimes you just let things get into your head or other people get into your head and, or or the fans or you, you'll read something online and stuff like that gets into your head and it just sticks. And it's sometimes it can be very hard to get out of your head and then, you start believing it (laughs) and like, you're like, Oh man, like this is, you know, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. (laughs) And you're having all these battles in your head with yourself. But the cool thing about the, the reset and like, you know, the pandemic and all that stuff was you just got time to really evaluate yourself and everything around you and like really think. And not only did we get to reset the company, but you know, I felt like I got to reset, reset myself. You know, Rhett Titus had a whole new reset with joining the foundation and all. So, um, and now like my confidence is like through the roof because like, you know, you got guys, you know, your, your peers are like Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal, Tracy Williams, like they're instilling that confidence in me as well. And now like the people are behind us as well. So it's like, like I said, it's firing all cylinders, not only for Ring of Honor, but now, right now, for Red Titus, everything's firing all on all cylinders, and my confidence is through the roof. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, uh, praying for the best right now. Knock on wood, you know, don't want yeah. to myself or anything. Yeah. You know? yeah. Stay healthy and all those things, you know. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the foundation is set to take, you know, each division and purify each division and, you know, restore honor. And, uh, there's the six man tag titles and the TV title and the world title left right now, which is outside of the foundation's grasp. So, uh, I'm ready to, you know, find two partners or, you know, go at the singles thing myself and, you know, get some gold back for myself because with the ring of honor, uh, gold, I have like a lot of, uh, unfinished and unsettled uh business if that makes any sense sure yeah yeah are are you looking at yourself as, as kind of a a ring of honor lifer now i mean again 15 years in but but uh you're still a pretty young guy um 
so, you know, you should talk about a lot of the people who, who over those years have, have come and gone. And uh, I'm sure, you know, 15, 16 years in, in Ring of Honor is not the norm, right? I mean, uh, a lot of folks kind of passing through. Um, are, are you okay with this being, you know, where you spend the rest of your career? Or, or are you always looking at um, what the next opportunity might be? I mean, I, uh, I, I always, like, when I got into wrestling, I wanted to wrestle for Ring of Honor. Like, that was, like, my goal. Like, I, I want to wrestle at Ring of Honor. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't have, like, these dreams of going to WrestleMania and stuff like that. Like, you know, I was all set on ring of honor. So I'm, I'm extremely happy with where I am, you know, um, anything can happen, you know, but, uh, I mean, I have a good relationship with ring of honor. They have a good relationship with me. So I'm very happy. Uh, I don't want to say complacent either, you know, cause I'm always hungry to get more. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, with Ring of Honor, I could, you know, add some new things in there too, you know, like uh, some tours of New Japan in the future, hopefully when you know, the, the world opens back up or something like that, but something I can do along with Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you look around and you see guys like the Briscoes and, and Jay Lethal and you see that you could have a heck of a career um, in Ring of Honor, right? So Yeah, uh, and the great thing too is like, uh, you know, as opposed to some of the other guys, you know, who went to WWE and stuff, you know, the schedule is like a yeah. lot easier than the WWE schedule. Uh, obviously the WWE schedule is a little bit easier now because of, you know, no house shows and right. everything being in Orlando. But uh, also like uh, another thing that people don't realize is like, you know, just regular fans and stuff. So like, Oh, you know, WWE guys, you know, make so much more money. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie, a, a lot of them do, but like the guys who are on that lower tier, you know, you, you got to also remember, you got to pay for your rental cars, your hotels, and stuff like that. And, you know, Ring of Honor takes care of all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, like. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of calculations to make. And, and uh, I think that goes for, for all kinds of uh, lines of work is, um, you know, you got to look before you leave. I think it's. Uh, 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 Bruce Buffer, who's the uh, the announcer for UFC, said something once um, that I I took to heart. He said, "If uh, if you think the grass is green on the other side, that just means you got to take better care of your lawn." Uh, <laughs> that stuck me. It's like, yeah, I mean, you did, just don't just always assume that that things are better uh, somewhere else. You know, you can you can have what you need where you are. So I'm gonna uh, steal that quote. <laughs> yeah, I stole it myself. Yeah. All right, Red. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Hopefully, we can do it again. Best of luck. I'll be uh, watching the Ring of Honor. Hey, Al. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It was it was it was an honor. So, uh, shout out to all the people listening to the uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated podcast. And uh, thank you very much once again, Al. Hopefully, all right, we can do this again soon. <laughs>